Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Diversified podcast, where we dive into the individuals and technologies that are powering DAO operations and treasury management and leading us into new frontiers. Uh, my name is Joe, Joey Big Fish Joe. I'm with Bond Protocol. Bond Protocol is a product suite that empowers sustainable treasury growth consisting of permissionless bonds and options liquidity mining solutions. Um, we are presenting this podcast for those interested in Bond Protocol or the podcast. Definitely go to bondprotocol.finance to learn more. Um, in our efforts to highlight treasury management and other DAO-related topics as part of Diversified, uh, we created a, this platform and podcast where thought leaders and industry experts can share their learnings. And it is an honor today to host Julian, otherwise known as Nesk, from Karpaki. Uh, he has considerable experience in DeFi treasury management, strategic finance, and DAO operations at several DeFi projects, which we'll dive into here. So Julian, um, first off, how are you? And can you give an introduction on yourself, your background, and some of your previous work? Hey, yes, thanks. Thanks, Joey, for, for having me here. It's a, it's a pleasure. Um, yes, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Julian. I'm currently working in treasury management uh, for Karpatki, specifically uh, for the Gnosis DAO. Um, a bit of background about me. Uh, well, I'm Argentinian. I'm an economist. I think as an Argentinian economist, I developed a passion for stable coins. I really like to, to do research on those. Um, I also have a bit of background on data analytics. Um, prior to joining uh, Karpatki, I was working as data scientist slash researcher slash protocol economist uh, for uh, Mstable, and uh, which we were uh, doing, uh, well, we were developing some uh, yield uh, aggregation products. Um, and now I'm, I joined Karpatki, uh, specifically the Gnosis DAO team uh, to help them, um, well, on their mission, uh, not just to do uh, traditional uh, treasury management to have like a, a nice yield or whatever, but more to actually uh, develop uh, a nice DeFi ecosystem uh, on Gnosis chain. Awesome. And for those who are unfamiliar, uh, what is Karpaki? What do you guys do and how do you typically work with DAOs like Gnosis DAO? Well, we uh, often describe ourselves as that we do treasury management for DAOs. Um, and when people hear treasury management, they might think of what good uh, a traditional hedge fund does uh, for a DAO, but that's not what we do. Uh, we're more in the midst of uh, capital preservation, and of course, we we manage the assets of of DAOs in a in a non custodial way, and I'll dig a bit more into how we do that later. Uh, but what we do is uh, really depends on what are the objectives of the DAO. Uh, we uh, help them uh, develop connections. We uh, try to build positive gam some, some games uh, between different DAOs that uh, we work with. Uh, we try to find partnership for the DAOs. We try, in the case of Gnosis, uh, to develop an ecosystem for, that is good for, for the mission of the DAO that at this time is to develop Gnosis chain. Uh, we uh, try to build foundations, for example, 
for what's going to be Gnosis Pay. Uh, what we do is really much more than just uh, try to get uh, a yield uh, for, for the DAOs, but actually uh, help them to fulfill their missions. Uh, normally, many of, of these DAOs are fun funded and managed by, by developers that they do not have a lot of uh, traditional finance experience or any financial experience at all other than maybe just playing around with some DeFi protocols. Uh, and we try to fulfill that gap. We try to uh, help them uh, in everything that uh, maybe normally a CFO would do. Uh, so we try to get in there. We try to fill that gap. Yeah, it's really interesting you point out the gap um, where builders are, are so focused on developing products and, and continuing growth of the protocol, but less so on capital preservation and stewarding resources. Um, so within co the context of, of treasury management, um, like how do you view the discipline? What, what's important about treasury management for someone like Gnosis? And um, like what capabilities, whether it's Karpaki or in an individual treasury manager, um, make a great treasury management team? Well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, so if you, if you think about um, what many DAOs have suffered in the past, right? They, they saw the runway coming down and they said like, okay, let's gamble everything uh, into some shit coin and maybe we can make it and we can make it to the next bull market and we can fund everything here. And uh, this is a no-go. This is what DAOs need to avoid. Um, also some other problems that other DAOs have is like, how do you manage a structure, such a big structure? How do you uh, define uh, or how do you make some some decisions on, on, on what to do? How do you execute on them? Uh, like uh, many DAOs, they they have non-custodial solutions, right? Like in the, in the the case, the great case is ENS that we're currently working with them. Uh, they have all their funds uh, in, in a smart contract and there isn't a safe that can take decisions on what what to do so if uh the commit who wants to do something if the DAO wants to do something there needs to be a specific adapter uh, for managing these assets so this is where Karpatki provides a great solution uh, we're building we're helping build uh, the zodiac modules um which basically delegates the authority to perform certain actions some specific actions to a safe so then you have a uh, two multi-sig um that can perform only those actions. They cannot drain them. They can, so that's why we call this non-custodial asset management. Because we are we when we want to do something, we submit a proposal to whitelist uh, certain actions, and then this safe can perform these actions. But these are already authorized by the DAO, and there's nothing else they can do because it's all coded into smart contracts. No, that's a, that's a really interesting point. Um... And it sounds like you, you strive to create a governance process and framework through which the treasury management team in Karpaki can execute on important treasury uh, matters. Um, within the context of governance and ideal structures for treasury management and treasury teams, have you seen anything work particularly well versus maybe some structures that haven't worked well? Once again, that it really depends on what the mission of the DAO. So, uh, and also a set of the market, right? Like uh, maybe it makes sense during a uh, bull run that APYs are crazy to 
for a certain allocate uh, a portion of the funds to strategies that have like very crazy APYs because then you can sustain uh, your operation with this. Uh, but then there are like some other points in timing, which is more about uh, like maybe do some capital preservation. And once again, uh, move towards the mission of the, of, of the DAO. No, that's a, that's a great response. And so you bring up capital preservation versus seeking yield. So how are you working with projects right now to advise them on strategies to preserve their capital and their treasury versus maybe go out and seek yield? Um, can you talk a little bit about how you think about that and when DAOs should think about um, protection versus actually going for it and growth? When, when I talk about capital preservation and things like, um, I don't know, stay in uh, regular LSC, stake ETH, rockpool ETH, uh, or, uh, you have stablecoin go for SDI or just deposit your stablecoins in a very safe protocol like Aave or Compound. Mm-hmm. Um, and then w- when you go when you talk about yield, normally it's about going to um, more uh, risky protocols. And and when when I talk about risk, you have like several kinds of risk, right? You have like smart contract risk, you have financial risk. Um, so when is it time to do to do what? Uh, I would say it's also about the risk reward. Uh, if if you're just gonna earn like two additional points of yield on a product that is not battle tested, and there is no um, other benefit to the DAO than those two points, then okay, maybe it's not a great idea. If uh, the risk is not that large because the product is somehow more valuable um, and the financial risk, you have maybe some information, you know something that the market does not uh, and you think it's a good idea for whatever reason or you have the tools to, to, to prevent, uh, to mitigate this risk, uh, then okay, maybe you can go seek that. Uh, but another, another um important thing would be if there is uh, some uh, strategic reason for which uh, something like this uh, might be important for for a DAO. Uh, for example, um, in the case of Gnosis DAO, we, we became um, one of the largest uh, aura holders. And we did that by being one of the first one uh, in deposit uh, liquidity there and by farming their tokens. Uh, now we are using all of these funds, all all of these like farm rewards aura that we have logged uh, to direct aura and balance our emissions uh, to Gnosis chain pools, and that's why that's how we're managing to build uh, the liquidity for for Gnosis chain. And there's I think almost like forty million of of TVL in balance in Gnosis chain. It's the largest exchange in Gnosis chain, and it's all happening because of the emissions that we're directing because we farm this. So that's why when I talk about, uh, when I say about uh, building positive Zoom games and going beyond uh, what could be maybe the monetary uh, value of, of doing something, but actually go to what's strategic for the uh, develop, development of the mission. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Just about aligning DAO objectives with um, like different tools available in order to manage resources and assets and shepherd them to their next phase of growth. Um, so I, I think a lot of the uh, Carpaki engagements, Gnosis DAO included, um, 
demonstrate best practices in how to manage treasury and survive the bear and get to the next phase or next market cycle. But what are some of the broader issues you see facing Dow treasuries at this moment in time as the bear market rages on? Well, it's the, the decreasing sizes of the treasuries, right? Sure. Um, it's not really happening to, to, to notice because um, they have a, a large one, but uh, I've seen many cases and this is something that actually happened to, to us in M-Stable. Um, you prepare or, or you prepare yourself for a bull market or, and, and you spend and you develop for a bull market and then suddenly prices start to collapse, you, your runways start to run off, your token price is down and maybe the token value was at that point uh, at the treasury at book value. So there was like no way for us to to raise any more capital and we had to shut down. We still had uh, some some runway we let, some runway left, but we, we were encountering some issues and definitely was um, something that we consider one when it was decided to shut down. We had maybe one year of runway and we were not making fees to sustain. I think we our fees were enough to sustain maybe one or one dev, maybe. Um and like yeah, there's not much you can do to that. And the correct way would have been to actually uh, prevent um of this in the bull market, maybe uh, even sell some of our token uh at the top you know, or not at the top because it's, imp it's impossible to time, but when the prices were still high and and we maybe thought that our, our token was undervalued, it was actually not. And prevent for, for, for these things could actually maybe have helped us. You, you mentioned just trying to time selling treasury assets and tokens. Um, how do you think about and advise projects on the concept of treasury diversification? and how and when to sell their tokens, what an ideal treasury composition looks like? Well, first you have to budget, right? Um, you have to budget, you have to run some estimations on how much you're gonna spend and how much are going to be revenues and how much do you think you need in order to become so sustainable? And you need that in stable coins. Um, of course, that you, you take a look now at ETH and you say, I don't want to sell right now we are in the middle of a bear market. It's terrible to sell now. But then you take, at your, take a look at your treasury and you say, okay, I don't have enough stable coins to survive. So do you sell or do you not? And of course there's not a correct response here, but if you don't have, like it can also happen that it goes back to 1.2K and then if you need to sell there, it's even worse. Um, so I would say it's, it's probably good to always uh, plan ahead, like on how much you need on stable coins. And, and then like the rest you can have in ETH and then you can even think about timing the market and, and hold until like the highs um, um, then. But I, I know I noticed now that many DAOs are, are starting to sell uh, ETH right now. Um, and probably the reason is is this uh they didn't plan ahead and they didn't sell in the bull market they thought it was gonna keep going forever like many of us um and 
then like, yeah, you end up selling at low prices. What are some strategies that DAOs can employ in the bear? Is it really just stomaching that the exchange rates are, are going to be low, prices are down, and they should think about whether selling their tokens or creating a bond market? Or have you seen other types of approaches work? I don't know if there is much uh, demand for uh, native tokens. Uh, so if you can uh, sell your native token, it's probably a better idea than selling it. Uh, like your native token, there, there's a big discussion, I think, or we need to have a discussion about uh, whether the native tokens are part of, of treasuries or not. Like there's a big, um, you know, wave of people saying native tokens should not be considered part of treasury. I don't say they should be considered one-to-one, but they surely are something. Uh, it's your equity. You need to take care of it. You can just like treat it as as if it didn't exist. Um, so yeah, maybe doing bonding, uh, liquidity mining incentives during a bear market are not a good idea. Um, that's, that's my opinion, but, uh, you take a look at, you, you don't hold farming token during a bear market. So if you do liquidity mining works, you're just going to be down only. What's the point of incentivizing liquidity? Um, when everything's going down. Yeah, sure. It, it's a catch 22 in a lot of ways though, because a lot of like Dow treasuries when they launch and they're starting to get off the ground, all they're really having is their native token. And so there is, if there is liquidity, some, some type of value of that token, but then they're faced with needing to shift composition into something that's more future proof that can get them to their next stage of growth. And as you mentioned, like in the bear, that can be very difficult. Um, it, it's pretty tricky for a DAO to come to terms with the fact that, hey, like we probably need to diversify out of our native token or we need to extend our runway. The bear market might go on longer than we think it does. Um, I, I think with uh, so you mentioned a lot on just kind of like when to diversify um, different strategies that DAOs can employ in order to survive the bear. But do you see specific tools and technologies being critical to treasury management in the, the crypto and DeFi ecosystem at this moment in time? Um, I see a lack of them. Um, I see a lack of tools, to be honest. Like we are, build, we are building uh, next to some uh providers some tools uh that are important for us like uh, for example a big example is alert providers um there's a bunch of uh providers some of them work with us and they're helping us setting up uh an alert system for each one of the positions that that we have um for the biggest one we, we already got those covered but for smaller positions we we do not have yet and we have a lot of issues, especially with false negatives, um, especially related to um, uh, potential exploits. There are some providers that uh, are trying to time um, probably like contracts developed by uh, fresh addresses funded with Tornado Cash that interact with certain contracts, things like this. Or sometimes they even test this on like test nets and they are like monitoring them and maybe like they send alerts when something like this could happen and the problem is that we get so many uh um false positives that when we actually get like a true positive 
it's, it's hard to react because we have a lot of noise. And we are working um, very close to them in, in, in trying to improve this system um, because, uh, well, it's still very new. And the problem is that when you, when you take a look at TradFi, it's not really that necessary. These kind of things are not necessary because when there's a bug, you can just roll back. And yeah, alerts are pretty much on some very specific events and it's really like, yeah, sure, an API can fail, but there's a bunch of them. So um, there are fallbacks and everything. And, and, and here, everything is new. Everything is uncharted territory. So what we're doing is helping them develop this. Another example, as I said, are the Zodiac models. How do you manage the treasury of a decentralized organization um, in a non-custodial way? Well, the Zodiac models are helping for this. And we're building V2, which will have a lot more functionalities. I'm not working on that, so I don't have details on, on how they're going to be, but um, there are a lot of things that are necessary. And and one last thing related to uh, what you're saying about diversifying out of your native token. That I disagree. Like, not that I disagree with selling your native token. I disagree calling it diversification. Because this is, and here I agree with um, Hasu's article from back in the days in which if you're selling your token, you're not diversifying your treasury. You are pretty much like raising capital. And it's fine to do it, but let's call it to what to like what it is. You're raising capital. No, that's a fair point. Because um, like the broader concept of diversification is just shifting treasury composition. Um, but yeah, if you are trying to diversify out of your token, you are leveraging your token in order to um, raise capital. And so there, there's a lot of different terms and approaches that are thrown out there on the concept. But yeah, uh, I've also read Kahasu's articles on um, treasury composition of, of native tokens. Um, great stuff. You mentioned uh, Zodiac models and like I know Karpatki has um, created a, a lot of interesting content around that. Um, I'm unfamiliar. I'm sure some listeners are unfamiliar as well. Um, can you dive into like what that actually is and what it means within the context of how you're managing treasuries? Yes, so um, as I mentioned, the Zodiac models is uh, what we're doing with ENS, for example, to delegate um, certain actions of a treasury uh, to another um, safe, for example. So let's say that um, uh, you are um, you are even a safe or a, or, or a treasury, your, the treasury of a, of a DAO could be held like in a safe or in a smart contract. They want to farm um, in convex or in aura and they want to claim their rewards and liquidate them and compound. And all of this, doing all of this uh, requires a lot of uh, actions to happen in chain, a lot of transactions. You first need to deposit, then you need to stake. Um, then you need to claim, then you need to liquidate, then you need to deposit again, and then you need to stake again. Doing all of this uh, on a contract on chain, it's very complicated. If you need to code all of this, basically it's a new product. It's what we were doing for, for Unstable. You have to audit these, the, these interactions and everything. And, and what you can do basically is like you can delegate all these actions to a safe. 
and this safe can or even um, probably in EA way as well uh, and actually I don't know I think it's only a safe um, and basically the safe will interact with this contract and will only do um, what it's allowed to do which is basically claim swap this token for this other token um, deposit again and stake again all of the, on behalf of the actual holder so the safe is performing the actions on behalf of the holder without really taking custody of the assets because there is nothing else that the safe can do other than what is widely said to do. These are the Zodiac model, mod, modules, sorry, and they're going to be much more flexible over time. Got it. And so management of the safe through the Zodiac model would be done by the treasury team or, or Karpaki in this case, correct? Correct. Awesome. That's very interesting. Um, so yeah, thinking a little bit more about um, like how Karpaki advises different DAOs and projects. Um, a lot of different crypto projects and DAOs don't really have a treasury management framework or, or strategy. And so they're starting from the ground up. Maybe they've released a new product, which is very compelling. Token price is going up, but they don't even know where to start. So how do you advise crypto projects that are, are starting from nothing? Like what are the first things that they should be thinking about within the context of establishing their treasury, creating a treasury management framework? Well, I would say you need to allocate between uh, ETH, stable coins, and um, strategic assets. Um, what I call strategic assets are basically um, something that will help the DAO fulfill its mission. In the case of Frax, for example, acquiring Convex very early was very important for, the, for their development. Um, in the case of Gnosis DAO, for us, it's important to hold Aura tokens. Um, so, um, and Balancer as well. Um, so you need to define how much you need of each. So uh, in stable coins, you need enough to um, sustain your, the, the, the operation um, for uh, enough time until the protocol uh, is sustainable either by revenues or wherever. Um, so how much is that? It really depends on the cost and the revenues that you're expected to make out of your product. Now, in ETH, you will also have expenses in ETH as well um, because the, the protocol will probably have to perform certain actions autonomous or not, uh, and they will need to be, uh, well, actually not autonomous. If they were autonomous, like someone else could do, it could run incentives, but if it weren't autonomous, you would need to spend ETH on the gas to sustain the operation. Um, and other than that, um, you're part of the ETH ecosystem. So you probably want to have like some ETH as well. Um, but in the end, like you're, you're living out of stable coins very likely. So, um, at some point that if you will probably need to convert them into stables. So maybe it's a matter of when to sell, maybe a good, uh, framework to that is okay. At these prices, we start to sell. And actually a good way to do this is by, um, the new, uh, cow swap infrastructure, composable cow. You actually, you can actually set up like certain, well, basically limit orders uh, and things like this to uh, autonomous, autonomously um, execute the framework of your treasury. Um, 
And then, well, in regards to the strategic assets, also you need to consider, you probably want to acquire as much as you can. So how do you acquire them? Do you buy them? Do you farm them? Do you OTC them? Do you maybe make an OTC for your native token? And that's probably the best thing you can do because other DAOs are very not are probably not likely to dump your to- your tokens on on the open market. So doing an OTC deal between DAOs it's a great way to generate these positive sum games that I was talking about before. Yeah, you can also bond it in, right? Like we've had a number of projects that are looking to stack CVX that initiate um, CVX markets. Um, and so they're mm-hmm. able to source it from community members that are very active in kind of the curve ecosystem um, who actually mm-hmm. do have convex to them. Um, so yeah, I mean, different strokes for different folks within that regard. Um, within, so let's say a, a project is like kind of all in, hey, we're, we built out a framework, we're, we're gonna execute on it. What should they look for in hiring someone to actually manage the treasury? And, and how should they think about whether they should go in-house or whether they should work with an expert or a consultancy like Karpaki? Mm. Well, that's a good question. Uh, it also, I, I think it depends on the size um, of the of the treasury uh, and how much they're actually going to, to be doing on it. Um, because uh, in the end, like when we were uh, in M-Stable, we have a small treasury. We have um uh multisig um and um were performing some actions every now and then we were extremely inefficient in actually executing um maybe a transaction was in the pipeline for like i don't know for like one day or more i don't know and and it could take too long we were definitely uh, not allocating the assets in the most efficient way and we tried we even set up like a charter we thought about it, but we didn't do it in the most efficient way because there was not like uh, some standards or, or anything to how to to do this. So we, we actually need this kind of things with standards. Um, and yeah, uh, once you achieve a size, you probably want to start considering farming because that can make the difference. And um, uh, then you might want to hire someone specifically for, for doing it. But uh, unless you have this size, probably doesn't make sense. Got it. So just to play that back, um, keep things generally announced until you reach a certain size of treasury, until you need to start thinking about farming and yield generation strategies. And then it introduces complexity that would require probably bringing in some experts to help you accomplish that. Am I, am I hearing that pretty correct? Much. Yeah, cool. yeah, pretty much. I didn't have that size though. I don't have the answer, an answer to that. Yeah, I mean, size is uh, subjective, but yeah, I, I totally get what you mean here. Um, so yeah, within the context of, of Karpaki, is there a typical engagement structure that you that you approach? Um, so let's say, you know, someone like Gnosis or, or Balancer wants to work with Karpaki. How do you typically approach in first, like, you know, um, pitching yourselves, but then also uh, creating a plan of action for them? Mm-hmm. really changes on a case-by-case basis. So we, we are uh, a spin-off um, of Gnosis DAO. Um, and we started working with them and we started also working with Kao because they were uh, very close to them. Um, then like for some other protocols, we actually 
well, for Noxus, we also have a, a proposal in the forum, very detailed. Um, but we were already kind of working with them, I think. I'm not sure. I, 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 I wouldn't need to check that because I'm not entirely sure how the process was kicked off. But um, the, the, the big case, once again, is EMS because they were really like uh, looking for someone to managing their, their treasury. And there were like several proposals um we already had the experience because we were doing it with with gnosis with balancer with cow and with all this experience we managed to um show and explain uh what we were doing what were our advantages explain um how we were uh, managing uh the assets in a non-custodial way and and this was actually the one thing that um really helped them uh to 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 go for Kropotkin. The capability of doing things in a non-consensual way. Um, also, our risk management practices. We have never been uh, affected by uh, one one hack, um, like an exploit. Um, so, I think these two things are the things that are really what makes Carpathia attractive. No, that, that's awesome that you guys haven't, uh, you know, actually had any type of uh, exploit or significant security risk. Um, in, I guess, auditing risk of projects and protocols that you work with, how do you approach that? How do you quantify it? And how do you make sure that um, you're informing decisions based off of potential risk? Well, we do, first of all, we do our due diligence. Um, then what we also do is we document. We document um, why we're doing what we're doing, what, what are the potential benefits, what are the attractiveness of the positions, um, and also what are the risks and what are we doing to mitigate them. Because, um, you know, the fact that we haven't suffered any hack doesn't mean that we won't. And when that happens, or if that happens, um, we want to say, hey, this is what we saw. And this is the reason that this happened, but we tried to mitigate and we did our best and we knew this was a risk. No, it makes sense. Uh, within the context of risk analysis, treasury management, DAO operations, um, what do you see as being the next wave of focus of innovation? Um, and what do you hope is on the horizon or frontier that would make your life easier as someone that's so involved in uh, the treasury space? tools to make things more autonomous. Uh, things like the Zodiac module and improving the Zodiac module are really important. Um, I could say it's the most important thing. Um, not only for minimizing trust on, 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 the, execu on, on the executors, um, but also minimizing human error, you know? Um, like uh, at some point, uh, we are signing transactions of um, millions and millions of dollars and and i'm happy to know that okay if i mistake and the transaction will revert because um we are not authorized to accidentally send this to um a phishing address you know because it's it's forbidden by the model so this is what's uh, in the end very very important in that sense probably account obstruction is also going to help um in the end, safe and um, the subject modules are, are probably uh, an application of account obstruction. 
you mentioned account abstraction, I guess, bringing it to the broader crypto space. Um, like, what do you see as being the next wave to bring users on chain? And what are some upcoming innovations that you see as being most exciting uh, beyond just treasury management, but in the, in the space at large? So the one thing that will bring uh, users on chain is getting rid of the fucking seed phrases, right? Uh, I, I can't, I can't sell, um, non-custody to my friends when I tell them, oh yeah, you need to spend like, uh, 100 bucks, uh, in a hardware wallet. Um, and also write your, um, the, um, the password for your life savings. You're going to write that in a piece of paper. So be careful where you save it. Like the whole point of this is you know, to, to, to store assets in a more secure way. And I don't think that a piece of paper is that secure way. Um, so account of searching is, is going to help to that. I'm not sure how are the applications going to, to be. I'm not sure what, what's the way. And I know like some people might not agree with this, but like, uh, yeah, in my opinion, that's, that's the thing that will bring users. The second thing in regards to what innovation I see, Gnosis Pay. Um, Gnosis Pay is basically a non-custodial credit card um, that is running on Gnosis Chain uh, using a safe. Uh, so basically you hold the signature of a safe in your, in your credit card that you can use on the Visa network. Um, and it's directly debiting uh, the UV stable coins, so Monerium is issuer. Um, and it's directly sending this URI from your wallet to the bank address of the merchant. And I think that's awesome. No, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I didn't know about Gnosis Pay, but I'll read up on it. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of innovation in um, like payments, payments rails with crypto as well. And yeah, to your point, account abstraction, um, I see that as a huge blocker as well. It's very difficult to talk to our uh, non-crypto friends about the need to protect their keys. And to your point, like have a piece of paper, store it elsewhere. Just the, the barrier to entry and onboarding is is pretty extreme, especially for non-technical users. So I hope there will be a wave of innovation that makes things as easy as possible, abstracting away the complexity. I think it will be necessary to bring uh, the next wave of people on chain. Um, yeah, I guess within the context of um, like the interview, thanks so much for spending time to talk about your experience at Carpaki, um, how to build a treasury management framework from the ground up, how to quantify and analyze risk, where you see things going, um, tools that should be in the tool belt of treasury managers and DAO operations, and for diving a little bit deeper into to Gnosis DAO and your work there. Um, so with that, is there any uh, parting advice that you would like to give to any DAO contributors, treasury managers out there, something you wish you knew a couple years ago? I wish I could uh, go back in time and talk to um, unstable treasury managers back in the day mm -hmm. when I wasn't even part, part of it and tell them like, yeah, fucking budget this. It's gonna last forever. Just uh, plan ahead for a bear market. Um, when you're in the bull market, plan ahead for a bear market. When you're in a bear market, wherever, do whatever you can to resist and don't like fall into the latest shit corner wherever and secure your assets. Number one thing is to secure their assets. 
then comes a rest. Totally. Uh, prepare for the worst, I think, is uh, the key point there. And the music will eventually stop when we have another bull market. Um, I'm optimistic for, for the future. I think people are going to be a lot more pragmatic when there is the next uh, gold rush or boom within the crypto space. Um, but hindsight's 2020, and, and you can see with the projects that have made it and are still resilient that they saw the writing on the wall and have prepared resources accordingly to continue to fund operations, but also continue to invest in growth. Um, but yeah, Julian, we, we really appreciate the time to come on here, the, the sage wisdom that you're imparting on us here. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that wraps up our, our time here with Julian and, and Karpaki. Thanks so much, Julian. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to Dowversified. Um, Julian, uh, where can they find you? Where can they find Karpaki? How can they learn more? So uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's CeroXMask. Um, Karpatki is uh, Karpatki. Uh, it's K-A-R. Uh, well, you can read it. You're probably going to tag along <laughs> somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, perfect. Cool. All right. Thanks so much, listen listeners. Uh, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And thank you, Julian. We will be back online uh, soon with another episode of Diversified. And we look forward to the next opportunity to bring Julian back on board. Thanks so much, y'all.